Welcome to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and her panel of guests bring you leading-edge astrology conversations through a journey of soul growth patterns connecting astrology's energetic cycles. Get ready to understand your path in the cosmic roots of the stars. Minahan, host of Talk Cosmos, and tonight is May 30th, 2021. And our topic for tonight is astropreneurship. It's a wonderful new uh, coined product by a marvelous speaker individual, Omari Martin. And he is going, he is here to explain how this this opportunity of thinking and education and how it relates with the astrology of our times. And I might just preface it just a teeny bit that it addresses our collective life energies, rebooting new needs, that is so current today, how we might invent career pathways, our autonomy of existence that, that really relates deep into our soul. Because the inventive soul, collaborating with others, perhaps, you know, and answering that personal call to our core values, it's, it's an adventure. The South Node is in uh, Sagittarius of adventure. The North Node is in Gemini of new information and education. It's a perfect time to, to consider these opportunities. Omari Martin of Chicago, Illinois. He's a certified professional astrologer and life member with the American Federation of Astrologers, that's the AFA, president of the Friends of Astrology, that's in Chicago. Many, many, it's a long, long um, legacy of, of association there for astrologers. He's a life member of the Organization for Professional Astrology, better known as OPA, the chairman of Kepler College of Astrological Arts and Sciences, which has two-year, four-year multitude of educational pursuits for astrologers that the Seattle Northwest area put together many, many years ago and is, is constantly updating and reformulating many ways to reach out and a marvelous resource for all astrologers. So this is really good education right off the bat for people to start jotting these down. He practices and teaches natal, electional, vocational, and mundane astrology and owns Solar, that's S-O-U-L-A-R, Wisdom, and Astropreneurship, owns it straight out. He has presented at NORWAC 2018, 19, and this year, 21. In fact, as we speak, in a few hours he will be. And if you want a recording, you'll have to go to Norwalk and, and buy the recording if you haven't already joined the conference. He also presented at United Astrology Conference in 2018. That's a collective group of five different organizations, four that has been going on for 40 years at least. That happens every four or five years. It's very major. And it was in Chicago during that time, a wonderful event. The Indian Institute of Oriental Heritage in 2019. Also, he spoke 
and presented at the Astrological Association of Great Britain, AAGB, International Society of Astrological Research, which is ISAR, ESAR, better known, and lectured for the Friends of Astrology in several chapters of NCGR, another national astrology group. He has been a guest also on KUBU 96.5 FM. So I elaborated on that because it's certainly worthy. Omari is a wonderful um, mentor, soul, educated uh, individual of enormous information. So hi, Omari. Hey, Sue. How are you? Very good. Yeah. Well, how did you get into astrology? What was your impetus? How did this begin in your life? Okay. So for me, the impetus began with reading uh, the astrology column uh, that was published in the Chicago Sun-Times, written by Sidney Omar. And that was how I actually discovered uh, that astrology existed. And a good friend of mine, her her, uh, aunt, actually collected uh, or um, collected the newspaper, had the newspaper delivered. And Mm. after her, after her aunt finished reading the newspaper, she'd get the newspaper. (laughs) And then we would read uh, our uh, signs and both of us are uh, Libras. And uh, we would read about Libra and a few other signs. And that's that was my introduction to it. Well, what a wonderful way to have a, a friend, especially with a Libra that is the other, as we know, and to be able to compare. Uh, it reminds me of going to these conferences such as NORWAC and immediately connecting with people that have some similarity. And there's a lot to learn that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Sid, Sidney Omar, oh my goodness, I've forgotten about him. He's wonderful. I I remember that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was a very good astrologer. And just to briefly acknowledge or or give him some credit, one of our colleagues some credit, he is actually on official record uh, with the United States uh, Armed Services uh, as an astrologer. So during World War II, as um, Germany um, used astrology or astrologers, uh, for military intelligence or to strategize. Uh, once the allies found out about it, uh, they did the same. Very interesting. I didn't realize that. Thank you. Thank you You're very welcome. much. Yeah. You know, I'll let it be up to you, but we could begin right with your thoughts of what astropreneurship involves. I know too, we wanted to, you were wonderfully introducing the idea of the large aspects like we have the jupiter saturn Mm -hmm. great conjunction grand conjunction because it is shifting our entire mentality from an earth plane matter to a air energy this is the first year so there was that and there was another but however you would like to begin okay so um so i'd like to begin with uh astropreneurship and um, obviously, astropreneurship are the words astrology and entrepreneurship combined. And astropreneurship is a, a concept uh, that really came to mind because as over the years, as I attended uh, various astrology conferences, I did make the observation that when you read the biographies of some of the astrologers, Um, most of them may have, um, if they have college degrees listed, their college degrees were in the liberal arts area 
of higher education or academia uh, instead of business. And then um, not just astrologers, but many, many entrepreneurs start out with, um, I want to own my own business, or I want to start my own business. And yet beyond that, they may know very little about how to manage and operate a business and in turn, uh, be profitable. And so, um, my undergraduate degree is a business, uh, business administration specializing in accounting. Uh, I have a master's of accounting and financial management degree, and I'm currently pursuing a PhD in business management specializing in accounting. And I'm also a college professor and I teach finance and accounting classes. And I just thought it was a great idea to combine um, my love for accounting and finance, as well as my love for astrology. And it just manifested as astropreneurship. So it exists um, as a presentation. Uh, it also exists um, as a course. It is a course that I teach at Kepler College. And I start off with really the business aspects. And with the students, I always make that inquiry in terms of uh, what is your mission? You know, so we want to take a look at, you know, what is your mission statement? What is your vision statement? And really before that, why do you want to go into business? Uh, I think that is something for every entrepreneur uh, to explore. Uh, for themselves before they actually start buying inventory or spending any money <laughs> towards the business. You want to be clear about that first and foremost. So after we move past uh, the mission statement and the vision statement, now we really want to get into, you know, management, you know, operations. We even touch on uh, what is your revenue model? Um, also cover one of the exercises is, um, okay, let's create that one year budget where, you know, we create that spreadsheet January through December, identifying projected revenue, identifying um, the uh, projected expenses in an effort to determine uh, what that net income will be from month to month. And based on my experience as the, 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 the teacher of that course or engaging in that conversation in a, in a presentation or a webinar, uh, that is something that some entrepreneurs did not think about. <laughs> you know, it really is a matter of being grounded, isn't it? And the reality, <clears throat> it's, and I think just on a personal level, because I've been researching my own query of why, I had a a depth that I thought was made sense. But as one really uh, digs deeper, it can become very powerful. Yeah. And very that true. and that groundedness is so important. I mean, I can appreciate any individual having that inspiration to be an entrepreneur, having that great idea that just makes every cell in their body come to life operating on 10 when 10 is the highest number on the scale. And at the same time, uh, yeah, you got to be a little grounded. <laughs> it, it, I get wild ideas. I just had one. And uh, I realized that the it, I could tailor it and I could give it more time. I do not need to produce this rather large idea 
in mm-hmm. six months. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the other thing, planning it out. So, you know, the 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 budgeting or the the annual budget uh is important for the entrepreneur to give attention to. Also, um, you know, the revenue model. One thing I like to inspire um the students uh who take the entrepreneurship class is what can you do or what will you do that no one else has done before? You know, what is your competitive advantage? What makes your business unique? Uh, I do encourage um, that they give some thought uh, to that particular competitive advantage. Uh, One other aspect that I really like to emphasize is uh, the importance of protecting your intellectual property. So even astropreneurship, which is the name of the business, is also a registered service mark with the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Mm -hmm. So when I share that with the students and show them that, they really get that Omari is practicing what he preaches and he's, you know, he's um, walking what he talks about. And uh, and even at the same time, I share some details with them how they can do that um, at the federal level with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. And you can also secure um, intellectual property rights uh, at the state level as well. But that varies uh, from state to state. And of course, in other countries, there are agencies and organizations that people can um, apply to in order to protect their intellectual property in their respective country. The business aspect is absolutely critical. I, I have recognized with other individuals that I've known to speak that, or we know that businesses fail predominantly because people don't have it. And I was with a musician once and he brought out, he happened to, in Seattle area, he's a much an older person who's no longer here, but he knew um, Kenny, oh, I can't even think of his name now, Kenny, uh, Ken, G, Kenny G. Oh, and Kenny said, G, but, okay. Yeah, yes. but Ken, cause they were on the same band, big band they used okay. to play when Kenny G was quite young and, and that, but the point was that Kenny G has is in business. He he has a degree in business, I think, and that's one of the advantages where he had that accumulate to make his his uh, because for a while he did great elevator music. You know, he could play really great music yes. as far as <clears throat> jazz wise, you know, with a lot of changes and all of that. Mm-hmm. But the fact was is that he had the the smarts to know how to approach music from a business angle. And the other person he mentioned too was um, Mick Jagger. Now, I don't know if Mick Jagger has a business degree or not, but somehow they both knew the business of it, you know, how to reach it. And hey, they're great examples. Yeah. And that's, that's very important, Sue, because um, there's some musicians or some entertainers, uh, even some uh, famous sports players they ended up filing for bankruptcy or they died broke. And that's a most unfortunate outcome, particularly when they were on top of their game and made millions of dollars. And so I'm sure some of them may have hired a money manager, which is great. uh, But at the end of the day, it's your money and you're responsible for your own money. (laughs) Yes, yes. No, here... You yeah. want to know a little something about business. I mean, just a, a little something. So so I cover that on the like the first half of the course. 
the revenue model, uh, again, protecting intellectual property. And another thing, um, while yes, the primary focus is on an astrology business, it's not exclusive to an astrology business. With And one thing I present to the students is a, uh, a disclaimer form where to help mitigate, it's a risk management document where they um, invite the client to read it, of course, and to understand uh, what the limitations of astrology are. And it helps to set appropriate expectations. And I even take the that part of the conversation a little further to let them know there may be a time uh, in your career uh, as a professional astrologer or any type of entrepreneur where you may have to dehire a client. And there's oh. nothing wrong with that. But to release, yes, to, re release. to release. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have had to do that um, in my career as a professional astrologer. It's not something that I looked forward to, but I recognize it is a part, it's part and parcel to the complete experience. Well, it's very true. Expectations and, and many involvements can get complicated. Let's see. I'm, my brain is going in a couple of directions. One is I know, well, maybe we can talk about some of the other aspects. There's focuses of how astrology career, but I mean, there's electional and there's um, different types of yes. that, but, mm -hmm. but I'm thinking more about some of the aspects, like how would you, what's the gift now that we have with Jupiter, that the energy that we're having since December 21st with Jupiter conjunct uh, Saturn, which it does every 20 years. But again, we yes. know this was in Aquarius and it will lead on now for 200 years in air. So that must shift where we're connecting. Like different yes, yes I, think, I think it does represent a shift. Uh, as uh, we know, as astrologers know, every 20 years, uh, the planets Jupiter and Saturn uh, form a conjunction that we refer to as a great conjunction. Uh, most recently on December 21st of last year, uh, the two planets formed a conjunction at zero degrees of Aquarius. So it happened at zero degrees, which is the ingress point, and it happened in the zodiac sign of Aquarius. Uh, we also know uh, Jupiter and Saturn to be the business planets. Uh, Jupiter is representing growth and expansion, Saturn, you know, limitations and delay. Uh, you know, so I think um, those businesses or entrepreneurs who present or develop innovative ideas that increase revenue and profits will actually prevail. I'll also mm -hmm. say that as a result of the uh, pandemic that we're still in, many businesses will have to reinvent themselves. They're gonna to have to reinvent their business model. And the way they did business pre-pandemic will look different if they still exist or want to continue to exist. They're gonna to have to modify their business model post-pandemic. Uh, one thing that comes to mind, even when I say that, is how in many uh, metropolitan areas or big cities that have a downtown, uh, many uh, companies, uh, Fortune 500 companies, if they don't own the building, they're leasing space, um, you know, 25,000 square feet or whatever it is. And 
you know, in the face of the pandemic, the significant number or majority of their employees started working from home for obvious reasons. So now <clears throat> that the pandemic is ending, after a you know majority of their employees are working from home, do you still lease twenty five thousand square feet or whatever it is for all those employees? I would go so far as to say that um, the senior management teams of those various corporations will rethink that and that they'll probably reduce the amount of square feet that they actually lease for their employees to occupy. And in turn, it will represent a reduction in expenses or a cost savings, and they will have an opportunity to reallocate those budget dollars to something else. Yes, yes, the the entire inter uh, one reads about this quite a bit about how there's large tables and instead of having cubicles, there's a laptop just in front of it, you bring your laptop, you do your work and you leave, you know, there's a, I could even see people maybe rotating. I mean, if they're not really worried about the COVID thing, which now is beginning mm -hmm. to Yeah, that's change. a possibility uh, in terms of, of, a, of, a, of a new business model for many of those uh, firms and, you know, large companies. I will also add, uh, we know that this great conjunction occurred in an air sign. And I, it just, in my gut, I really think that artificial intelligence is really going to take off. I think that's going to be one of the new big things uh, that we experience um, as a civilization. And um, in the purpose of artificial intelligence is simply to solve business problems. Um, now on the downside, uh, AI for short is uh, impersonal. Human beings have feelings, human beings have consciousness and machines and robots and computers don't have that. Uh, they don't have emotions or feelings and they don't have consciousness. Also with the proliferation and further development of AI, I think various ethical issues may arise as more comp companies uh, implement and leverage artificial intelligence. And as a consequence of that, there will be uh, new laws created and new rules will be developed uh, in an effort to address the ethical issues. And even as I, um, you know, gave attention to our talk tonight, Sue, one of the movies that came to mind was iRobot. And iRobot uh, starred uh, Will Smith. And in that movie, um, there was a, a, a genius guy who created uh, the robots. And the robots had three laws that they had to follow. And that first law is that the robot could not injure a human or through inaction, um, let a human be harmed. Uh, the second one is that the robot must obey orders given to it by human beings, except if those orders conflict with the first law. And then, oh. the and then the third law is that a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection did not conflict with the first law or the second law. Yeah. <laughs> so, th so I think, again, as <clears throat> artificial intelligence is further developed, implemented, and leveraged by businesses, you know, we really have to think about what is the impact 
that artificial intelligence will have on not just society in a general, but specifically human beings or our life as human beings. And how is that technology, because it's still a technology, how is it being used? And that is something for us to think about. Yes, and the subject has been coming up quite a bit, which at the moment I can't remember which it was. But I'm wondering too, as astrologers right now, I know that having so much Zoom, so much uh, interaction through the waves, you know, which makes a lot of sense with Aquarius and, and helps astrologers do um, classes or do conferences or have like I'm getting a personal little book club going or or people do consultations. Mm -hmm. But it isn't that one-to-one -one people. So there is a, a sense of um, objectivity beyond it objectivity it's the personal that's the transpersonal you know that we're experiencing and so i'm thinking well we have a moment but it's it, some kind of directions that people can can apply because everything relates to astrology you know the world the world's a reflection of all these energies so <laughs> whatever we want to do is is in some terms and learning that Maybe learning that we can use tools, uh, robots, it, 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 with our with our business, or, or I don't know. Do you have certain areas that people are really attracted to in using for us with the training of, of the, for their okay. business? Okay, so so with that, so to even go back to astropreneurship, uh, once the, the the business items are are covered. Uh, which also includes marketing and more specifically social media, I also include astrology. So with that, I include vocational astrology. So when I look at the entrepreneur's chart, does this individual have a chart that speaks to entrepreneurship? Mm -hmm. If it does, which profession or which career should the individual pursue? What type of work will the individual do in that career or profession? And with the second house, uh, what type of money will they make? So we're looking at house number 10, career, public standing, achievements, and honors. House number six is the work that the individual would do. And house number two is money, values, possessions, and talents. Very good. It is a whole package. And we will re we will return. I'm with Omari Martin uh, from Chicago. And we're talking about entrepreneurship in involving the astrology and our get up and go and our mojo of entrepreneurship is like fighting the new world. So we'll be yes. <laughs> While we take a break from this week's edition of Talk Cosmos, let's take a look at this cycle's archetype. We are currently in the period of Gemini. By leaving a cycle based on physical form, integrated through spirit, the energy of Gemini connects spirit with matter, focused on communicating and defining the external. 
Gemini is a mutable air sign signifying flexibility. Gemini duly focuses upon teaching and learning in order to synthesize the world one lives within. Whether we know it or not, each of us are on a quest to discover our true self. And the road we travel to accomplish this goal is unique for each of us. This is Marie O'Neill's hero's journey of walking her path and overcoming hardship and heartache in her book, And the Lotus Opened. As a memoir of enduring an absent mother and a harsh pseudo family and surviving ongoing abuse and trauma, Marie learns to trust in the divine and in her inner self and release herself from the emotional chains that bound her. She discovers her personal power and who she is, and she learns what being free really means. Now available on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com in either hardcover, paperback, or ebook, you can order Marie O'Neill's book, And the Lotus Opened, and let Marie be your guide as she leads you on your path to authentic freedom using metaphysics, astrology, Buddhism, and healing practices. Talk Cosmos brings you leading-edge astrological conversations with hour-long programs each week on KKNW. The show goes live every Sunday from 1 to 2 p.m. Pacific. Talk Cosmos weekly programs are also available to watch live on Facebook and YouTube, along with daily chats throughout the week on the Talk Cosmos YouTube channel. While you're there, make sure you click like and subscribe buttons so you can get the full Talk Cosmos experience. Or, if you'd rather listen to the show archives with audio only, the entire podcast collection since 2018 is available on most podcast carriers. So, grab your coffee, tea, or kombucha, and enjoy the show. Hello, this is Wendy Wyrot, and you're listening to Talk Cosmos on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, where we unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconscious. Wondering what's on next on Alternative Talk 1150? Check out 1150kknw.com. Hi again, we return. This is May 30th, Memorial Day weekend here in the United States. And Omari Martin of Chicago and also the president of the Friends of Astrology in, and also the chairman at Kepler College, an online astrological uh, um, uh, university here. I, I may not have that name quite right, and I apologize. But we're talking about astropreneurship, and I'm going to paraphrase what he writes on his site, Soul Wisdom, S-O-U-L, Solar, S-O-U-L, like soul, A-R, wisdom. He says, uh, I have to remember, okay, okay. It promotes a paradigm shift with new ways of being, doing, and having so that desired outcomes are achieved while honoring the individuality of each human being. And that is so true. You know, right now we have, um, with the pandemic, but right now we have all this expansive Pisces energy and Jupiter. So really, I'd say imagination is a huge part of this and then coming up we have this because the whys are so important and being authentic to ourselves how to find and reinvent like a person may have a, a, a career but if they they uh, 
otherwise it's like you want to reboot it you want to open it up yeah you know? yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah, that can happen. So, you know, Sue, an individual may have a career in which they make a lot of money, but that doesn't mean that the individual is happy or fulfilled. Some individuals have a career where they don't make much money, but they are happy and fulfilled. And ideally, you have both. <laughs> and that's not always the case. And, you know, even yeah. with, again, with uh, vocational astrology, and looking at um, a client's chart, it could be that yes, the chart speaks to you owning a business. And at the same time, maybe you are not the one to be involved with the day to day operations, interacting with customers, employees, suppliers, and vendors, it could be that, you know, the individual doesn't have the temperament for that. <laughs> I see. So maybe you have the, maybe the individual has the idea and the capital to start the business. And at the same time, it may be appropriate to hire an individual to manage the day-to-day. You know what I love about this, Omari? It speaks immediately of networking and teamwork, which is so Aquarian. Mm -hmm. It's like finding your like group. And I often think of it as a community, but no, it's closer. It can be those people that you really support. It, 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 one person has the idea and the different parts, just yeah, like yeah, a car. The, yeah, the different part. Yes. And then they can create that synergy where the whole is greater than you know each individual part. And so also with uh, astropreneurship, there's also electional astrology. So when should you start the business? When should you start the contract? Or when should you sign the contract? When should you start or launch the website? When should you open the business bank account? And electional astrology can be used to identify when it is an opportune or auspicious occasion to undertake uh, a certain activity. I really love also how you bring a scientific approach to this. And I'm getting the picture, you know, for for people that are interested in their vocation, that whether it's in, aligned with astrology or not. Correct. To, re, to, re, um, to get educated about all these steps, you know, beginning with the why. Um, because certainly it's a there's many factors and there's we we can't think of everything by ourselves to begin with agree mm -hmm. I, I, I totally a, agree with you and so so yeah so again you know jupiter and saturn are the business planets and so we know uh at this time um 2020 there was a recession and a recession uh in the uh, economics textbooks is defined as two consecutive quarters of negative gross domestic product. And gross domestic product is simply a measure of what was produced in a country. It consists of consumption, and that's the spending that we do as consumers. It consists of investment. Uh, that's the uh, spending that businesses do. It also consists of government spending, which is just that, the spending that the government does. And it also includes net exports. So if the uh, country is exporting more than it is importing, we're going to add. 
if the company, excuse me, if the country is importing, uh, exporting less than it is uh, importing, well, that will be a negative number and that will reduce uh, GDP. So again, uh, a recession is defined as two consecutive quarters of negative gross domestic product. And if we were to turn back the hands of time, we will find that 20 years ago, in the year 2001, more specifically, uh, there was an eight-month recession. Now, Jupiter and Saturn formed their conjunction on May 28th of the year 2000 at 22 degrees of Taurus and 44 minutes. And so in the year 2001, uh, there was an eight-month economic downturn. And really what was behind that recession, if you will remember, was the dot-com bubble burst. Mm, yes. Uh, the 9-11 attacks and the September 11th attacks. And also at that time, there were several accounting scandals, namely Enron, which is the poster oh, yes. for, Absolutely. for scandal. Uh, there was, you know, WorldCom, Global Crossing, Adelphia Communications, and one or two others that I Total lack of off the top of my head. <laughs> But nevertheless, yeah. those were the contributing factors to the recession that was experienced approximately 20 years ago. Well, if we back up the hands of time, 20 years before that, we have the early 1980s. And that recession was like from 1980 to 1982. And we actually find that on December 31st of 1980, uh, Jupiter and Saturn formed a conjunction at nine degrees of Libra and 30 minutes. And so that particular recession uh, was really, you know, seemingly triggered by tight monetary policy, which is controlled by the Federal Reserve Bank. And uh, it was in response to inflation. So yeah. whenever we experience inflation, the Fed will, you know, do what it does to help manage that. So I, I thought I... Oh, I was just remembering uh, going to a gas station during that time. And, you know, you have lines and lines and lines, which, of course, we've had now. But I remember a great cartoon. Um, it was a little a family of four, standard family, and the papa, because the mama and the two kids... And due to, due to recession or due to price changes or due to something, we have to let one of you go, <laughs> like in the family. <laughs> it really did feel like it was very, uh, um, it was the first time really in a long time that the United States experienced that kind of uh, cutback because in World War II, if people did that deliberately, you know, for mm -hmm. victory gardens and they, they knew they pulled in the belt. But yeah. since then, we had the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, and then boom, 80s. Yeah, but also even 20 years prior to that, Sue, uh -oh. uh, in the ninth, early 1960s, uh, there was the recession of 1960, 1961. And there was yet another conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn on February 18th, 1961, at 25 degrees of Capricorn and 13 minutes. And so that particular recession, uh, what we attribute to that is, uh, again, high inflation, 
high unemployment, and bad gross national product. Now, a few moments ago, I talked about GDP. Well, at this time uh, in the 60s, the United States used uh, GNP as an effort to measure uh, production in the country. And somewhere in the 90s, I almost wanna say right before NAFTA was passed, uh, the United States stopped using GNP and switched over to using GDP or gross domestic uh, product uh, to measure uh, production, economic progress uh, for the country. So yeah, so you know, every 20 years from now, you know, there was a recession, you know, right around that same time. And so normally, um, I want to say what history has shown is that when there is a recession, uh, that does mean that um, inflation is high, uh, unemployment is also high, many people end up um, losing their jobs through no fault of their own. And in response to that, some individuals choose to do what? They choose to start their own business. <laughs> And especially after a pandemic, yes, it seems Yes, like, especially like, after a pandemic. It's a good storm. Yeah, yeah, it's a good storm. And also I wanna add that entrepreneurship has always been that economic lever to potentially jumpstart the economy again. I mean, you know, even um, Microsoft was started in a garage. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. You know, and look at what it is, the, the behemoth that it has oh. become today. And, you know, mm. some uh, very successful companies start off small. That was the case for Facebook. I think that was also the case for Dell Computer uh, with Mr. Uh, Michael Dell. Of course, um, Mr. Mark Zuckerberg is associated with Facebook. And they started off as small ideas. And today they are multi-million dollar uh, corporations. If not, I think Facebook might be billions now, but you get the point. <laughs> yeah, it's just mind boggling. It's, it's just amazing. Well, that leads me, there's two, Amari, if we can tie in, because I'm wondering where is astrology going, but we can tie in this square. It's the second okay. square of three. It'll okay. be on June 14th, 15th, as you said, depending on where people live. This third one's gonna be on Christmas Eve, Yonkers. and the first one, yeah, was back in February, mid-February yes. on the seventeenth. Mm -hmm. But yeah, February seventeenth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So let so um, let's speak to that. So I want to give some um, a little historical context here. And so um, right now, the planet Uranus is in Taurus, and we know Taurus to be the money sign. Mm -hmm. And the last time that Uranus entered Taurus was on June 6, 1934. Oh. On that same day, uh, President, well then President FDR signed the Securities and Exchange Act, which created the Securities and Exchange Commission. Mm -hmm. And this act gave the SEC extensive power to regulate the securities industry, including the New York Stock Exchange. And also on um, August 14th, 1935, uh, Uranus was still in Taurus. Uh, then President FDR, he signs the Social Security Act. 
And so if you notice the word security or securities is associated with both of these acts, mm. that same word is also associated with what? Taurus. <laughs> yes, yes. It is all about life support. It's stability, survival. Support. Yes, survival, stability, security. And so with Uranus and Taurus, you end up with um, some unconventional stability or unconventional security. So prior to FDR signing um, both of those acts, if you will, or both of those bills into law, there was no stability. I mean, the precursor to the Securities and Exchange Act was the Great Depression, October yes. 29th, uh, yeah, October mm -hmm. 1929. That was a precursor to the Securities and Exchange Act. And then I want to say it was recognized that even more needed to be done where now you have the Social Security Act. Uh, as a result of the Great Depression, the unemployment rate was through the roof. You know, so, so many people were out of work and, you know, depending on how old you were, I mean, the prospect or the idea of going back to work, making money to recover, you're out of you, you're like out of time, you may not have another 20 to 30 years mm -hmm. to work and save up all over again, just to survive. So that was significant. And so now we have Uranus in Taurus once again, and the planet Uranus is receiving a square from Saturn. I would go so far as to say that with Uranus in Taurus, this is like the modern day gold rush. However, we know it as cryptocurrency. Oh. Cryptocurrency is revolutionizing um, how we do business. Um, let's see, Ripple Incorporated received a letter from the Securities and Exchange Commission stating, oh, yeah. oh, you know, you didn't tell us about you were going to sell this and blah, 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 blah. And I, I read it, but I'm giving a very short version of the story. And so the senior management team of, of Ripple Incorporated responded and said, you know, hey, did you have this same conversation with the people who own Bitcoin and the people who own Ethereum? And I thought that was a very fair question because mm -hmm. I think most people perceive uh, Bitcoin, um, Ethereum, and XRP as digital assets or or as cryptocurrencies, and um, and it's like, well, they may serve different purposes, but outside of that, how is one different from the other? <laughs> yeah, and there's quite a plethora, or uh, I can't even say the word, like Dodge, Dogecoin. And yeah, yeah, and, right. And Dogecoin is is another one, and so. Even now, uh, I think the, the hurdle, if you will, is how can we get to a point where cryptocurrency is used in the same manner that we use fiat currency or our US dollars? And I think that Uranus and Taurus will bring that about. Uh, there are some firms that are currently uh, working on that. And just like many of us have a debit card tied to our bank account, and we use our debit card to pay for goods and services using US dollars, 
I think there are some things in the work now to have a debit card that's tied to your cryptocurrency so that you can purchase, you know, goods and services with cryptocurrency as you would traditional currency. I wonder, I'm thinking also though with Taurus, there's resistance. That's the other buy factor, just thinking <laughs> of the population, right? And so yeah. maybe, because I think it's a seven year cycle. It's been in there for about two and a half, well, since two, three years now, since 2018. So it has about four more to go. And maybe when it gets into Gemini is when it might really start that interconnection between, uh, because one hesitates and looks back. I know somebody that actually invests in uh, a, like a 500, what is similar to the stock market with a group, you know, of a, a bunch of them. But anyway, let, let's, how do you think astrology is going to really, what's, what's the new story for astrologers or, or how, what is going, what's the right question? How do you think astrology as a profession might continue to evolve? Oh, wow. Great question. Thank you, Sue. I will say <laughs> through research, um, where astrologers uh, do research, and yes, to the extent that it conforms to the rigor of academic research. And I think in order to accomplish that uh, qualitative methodology may be more appropriate than a quantitative methodology, depending on what the focus is. And also, um, and when I do have the opportunity to speak to this, I speak to it. Uh, and I also would like to see uh, astrologers or astrology as a profession just really take a stand for certification um, to provide some assurance or reassurance to the public that this individual who says or claims to be a professional astrologer actually knows astrology. All other professions have that. The medical profession has that. Um, the legal profession has that. The teaching profession has that. All professions require some type of certification or licensing requirements that an individual must achieve. And standards. Your standards. Yes, thank you, Sula. That's standards. Standards for knowledge. And I'd really like to see um, astrology head in the same direction. And um, I recognize there'll be resistance, but you know that's those are yeah. my thoughts. Well, excellent. Um, I'll throw this out for next week because I see we have some minutes, and I don't want to stop you in the middle of this next question I have. But I will say that next week on June sixth, we're having the Planet Buzz, and it's going to be called Flip the Light Switch. <laughs> So we'll be talking on some subject of, uh, of, of, of astrological content. What do you think for astrologers? How are ways that astrologers can, or, or people can think of careers that work with this sense of AI now that's happening? I mean, we know that, that I agree that technology is we're in baby steps. We may think that we've had it, but it's going to be 20 years, 10 years from now, quite different. But how is it that we can, I think teamwork, knowing the why of who you are. I mean, you've, that's a huge subject. Yes. To mm -hmm. Really get into mm -hmm. and the values. I mean, all of that and to imagine, of course, but, and, the, and to think about teamwork. So how could it be that teamwork might 
might be used in either career or different ways that to, to reform, um, realizing that it may be a restructuring of everything, but what kind of purposes? I guess that's what I'm thinking. Okay, so I think purpose. you know each individual has an opportunity to give some thought to how technology will impact uh, their current career or their next career. Artificial intelligence, unfortunately, may put some people out of work. You know, it always does. So in factories, as more uh, manufacturing firms implemented technology to produce the products, people ended up unemployed. And, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was just thinking, yes, as you were talking, I remember that there's a lot of like water. We know that water is a resource that it has some uh, difficulties always. You know, California is going down to their way down deep to, to but, but Israel and other, I think the Netherlands too have hydrophonic, very sophisticated, um, plants. And I've often thought like in the interior part of the United States or whatever, if we could get into hydrophonics, right? I mean, food, food production, because Taurus is also food, you know, somehow relate. Uh, well, I think it's a matter of, so that sounds like agriculture or agribusiness. Mm -hmm. And it's a matter of, um, I think one can harness um, renewable energy sources, such as solar energy and wind energy, um, in order to uh, power some of the machines. Uh, and water is still an issue. So, you know, how close is the agribusiness to a source of, um, you know, good water to use? Yeah. I think that's a question that has to be addressed first and foremost. Well, I thank you. And I may have interrupted you when you were trying to explain. I, I don't want people to say, Omari oh, was just telling us something and you interrupted him. It was like, oh no, I'm so sorry. But, and by the way, Omari Martin owns Solar, S-O-U-L-A-R Wisdom. And you can go to Top Cosmos and have all that information too about his astropreneurship um, course of helping direct your new life that we all are encountering in some fashion. Yes. So if, is there a thread that we can go back to that, you were, that I interrupted or? Uh, well, no, that's pretty much it. That's, and that's pretty much it for the most part. Um, I um, touched on all of uh, the, the, the talking points. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, it's an, it's an exploratory time. I think maybe for all of us to embrace that there's mm -hmm. excitement yet. Like you say, there's a, whether it's a renaissance, you know, that after depression, it can be standard almost, as you were saying, not to the depth perhaps that we're experiencing what with the pandemic, but this isn't, this, is, this has happened before and people do recreate. Yes, and rebound. Yes, they do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's actually an opportunity when one considers it that way to find out what really matters. <laughs> okay, I think I have to hang up. Thank you, Omari, so much. You are welcome, Sue. You are certainly welcome. And Nathan, thank you. All right. All right. That's it? Uh, oh, we got to record something. I got to record something. Oh, no, 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 no. That'll be afterwards. Yeah. I don't think it has... Anyway, Omari, I think we're fine. Usually we have music at the end that signs us off, and I haven't heard it. So, and we usually have another minute. 
Oh, oh, okay. We're fine. We're clear. You know okay. what? This is like the eclipse, which reminds me, everybody, we can, this is the releasing time. We're right between the two eclipses and we can reboot into that new uh, 20 degree solar eclipse. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, speaking of the eclipses, the next eclipse is on June 10th. It is a solar eclipse. And what's interesting about the next eclipse is that um, Mercury is at 20 degrees of Gemini retrograde. And I think it's about to turn direct um, right around the eclipse. So this is going to be interesting. Yeah. So right now we're going to be rethinking on the 29th. Oh, and then I think in, we've got to hang up here, I guess. But in uh, when the solar Sagittarius one is in December 14th or something, maybe we're a new philosophy. We can release now and rebuild to then. That's possible. Yeah. Well, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and her panel of guests connect soul growth patterns with the energetic cycles of astrology. Be sure to tune in next Sunday at 1 p.m. Pacific time to continue your journey through the roots of the cosmic pathway.